feel the presence of the Lord in this place tonight. We feel the glory of the Lord in this place. I feel that the Lord is ministering to you right now, right there in your home. There's a burden that God is bringing upon our fellowship, upon everybody that is watching right now. The glory of God is right there visiting you right now in the name of Jesus. Will you open your heart even more right now? And allow God to speak to you and minister to you in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, praise team. What a tremendous, tremendous job and what a tremendous atmosphere has been created here tonight. Wow, God is so good. I am so honored to be able to address uh, the preaching here in the North American Missions Conference uh, service of General Conference. What an honor. I want to honor Brother Sis Trunk and the whole team for the vision that they have put forward and, and the burden that they have for churches to be planted all over America and especially in our cities. I, I thank God for that. It's time for us to reach the cities. I'm so honored to be here. I, I want to honor my dad. He's my pastor, and I honor him, and I thank the Lord for him. I'm blessed. I honor God for my wife and my kids. Whew, God is so good to me. I want to invite you to open your Bibles, Nehemiah chapter 2 and reading verse 2. Nehemiah chapter 2 and reading verse 2. And the word of the Lord says, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried, lies in ruins. I, I want you to know something. He had a burden for a city. When the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire, the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so I can rebuild it. What a beautiful, my God of mercy. He says, send me to the city. I want to preach for the next few minutes. Let's go to the city. Let's go to the city. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. You are awesome. You are powerful. You are mighty. I pray by the power of your spirit that your glory will move in this place. Lord, that your glory will reach and touch every person that is watching us right now. Father, I pray that you'll take every distraction away and allow there to be a focus on your word and what you are communicating to your people. And we will not fail to give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Nehemiah is a type of the Holy Ghost. 
In fact, his name even means comforter. Nehemiah was grieved that the city of Jerusalem was still in ruins and that its walls were broke down and the gates were destroyed and turned into ashes. A city uh, where his ancestors were buried, a place uh, that at one time represented life and, and success and hope was now just a pile of ruins. What once stood as a strong fortress is now only logged in the history of time. Jerusalem's walls represented the standard, the power, the strength, the character, and the integrity of that city. The walls gave the people a sense of being safe and not having to fear. But all that changed in the year 589 B.C. That's before Christ, not before Corona. Amen. Before Christ, King Nebuchadnezzar II laid siege on Jerusalem, culminating into the destruction of the city and its temple. And even the walls of that city were left as a heap of garbage. The crazy thing about this is that those walls were destroyed. And this got me. Those walls were destroyed. 152 years before Nehemiah even came in to the picture. I want you to get that because every time that I've ever read the story, I always thought that the occurrence was recent, but it had happened 152 years before Nehemiah was even in the picture. King Nebuchadnezzar knocked down the walls burnt down the city, then took the Israelites captive to be his slaves in Babylon. The Israelites, when they finally got freed and they returned to Jerusalem, they did not build the city back up. They did not build the walls back up. So the people were living in that condition for all those years with the walls of their city and their city still in ruin. It is calculated that it takes, uh, uh, that in the span of a hundred years, you will get three to four generations. That means that in the span of 152 years, that we can safely say that there was five to six generations that had felt uh, the uncertainty of their enemy being able to come in and attack them at any moment. Uh, be able to come in uh, and steal their stuff. For five to six generations, uh, there was a feeling of loss, of hopelessness, of dreams being crushed. For five to six generations, all they saw was the ruins and the brokenness. For five to six generations, they lived in fear. Their walls were destroyed. A city's 
uh, protection was their walls, but without it, uh, they were vulnerable and weak. Generation after generation, they lived with a mentality of ruin and hopelessness. My God have mercy. But when Nehemiah comes on the scene with a message of change, all of a sudden change came into the atmosphere. That which looked hopeless now begin to show a little bit of light. My God, somebody ought to give God praise right there where you're at. Because Nehemiah inspired a spirit of revival. The people became brave even in the midst of threatenings. They became brave, threatening them. Folks were threatening them that they were going to uh, come when they least expected and that they were going to kill those that were rebuilding the city. But they kept their weapons ready day and night and they kept building they kept working they kept believing and this is the powerful thing that in 52 days the walls that had been destroyed for 152 years were rebuilt i feel a witness in my spirit in this place tonight uh, that you might look at something as if it's hopeless uh, as if we'll never be able to accomplish it but if you'll get that spirit of revival inside of you uh, i'm telling you god's even gonna cut down the time uh, and speed up the process uh, and you're gonna see the power of god move uh, in your city in the name of jesus i need somebody right there at home uh, to give god praise uh, right now uh, in the name of jesus Woo. Nehemiah, without a doubt, is a book of revival about restoration, about bringing back the glory of God to the church and the people of God. Re revival is bringing back life to the church, bringing back life to that which is dead. Woo, I love revival. Hallelujah. It improves a condition or it gives it strength. Revival is a comeback. It is a reestablishment of something that was established. Revival is a restoration of something that was in ruin. A resurrection of something that once lived. Revival. 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 That should be the heartbeat of the church. Revival should be the heartbeat of every pastor, every evangelist, and every preacher. Revival should be the heartbeat of every saint of God, old 
and young. Revival should be what drives us, what wakes up, wakes us up in the morning, what gets our spirit in check with God. It should be revival, and I am believing that a spirit of revival is going to come into your house in the name of Jesus. Nehemiah was a revivalist. Ooh, a revivalist. My God have mercy. I, uh, that's why I like Nehemiah. Because he was a revivalist. You ought to look at somebody right there next to you and say, I am a revivalist. Hallelujah. That's why I like Nehemiah. Because he was a revivalist. And there has never been a time in history that we need an army of men and women like Nehemiah. We need revivalists to rise up all over our fellowship. We need to have revivalists that will come in and see cities be filled with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that before this broadcast is done, that God will rise up revivalists. I don't care how old you are, whether you're young or you're old, when you respond to the call of God, it's never too late to respond to the call of God. Glory to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. With all we've been seeing in our cities. These days we have not seen anything like it before. Riots and destruction. Buildings being set on fire. Even churches being set on fire. Stores being broken into and looted. And violence and killing on the streets of our cities. Innocent babies being shot and killed by gang violence. Our cities are in ruin. And that is what we are seeing. What we're seeing in the physical eye is what really is happening in the spirit. And has been the condition of the, of the cities. Dreams crushed. Families in ruin. Men and women broken in the bondage of addiction. Hell has had its vengeance on our cities for far too long. It's time. We need an army of revivalists, of Nehemiahs that will rise up and go into our cities and be able to say this city uh, does not belong to hell anymore. We're taking it for the kingdom of God. Somebody ought to give a witness right there. We're taking it for the kingdom of God. We need men and women to rise up and be able to take the gospel to the cities around North America. Oh, Lord have mercy. Haraboshaya. Hallelujah. Revivalists don't take no for an answer. They don't get discouraged at the first hiccup in the middle of the road. Revivalists don't throw in the towel 
just because somebody told them they didn't want to hear what they had to say. Revivalists don't lose their burden. If anything, their burden gets stronger. Revivalists don't look at ruins as ruins, but as opportunity to create something new. I believe God is raising up some revivalists right now as I am preaching. Nehemiah was burdened for his city that he had never seen. I think that's so impacting. He had never seen that city. He had never seen the city in its glory. Never had seen the city. But he was impacted with the burden for that city. If somebody would have asked him, Nehemiah, have you ever been there? He would have said, no, I've never been there. Have you, have you seen it? No, I've never seen it. Well, what if you don't like it? I could probably hear Nehemiah saying something like, uh, it, it don't matter because the burden is stronger than any likes that I would have. The burden is stronger. It drives you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A burden will take you where your feet have never gone. A burden will lead you into a place where you have never thought about going. A burden will make a person leave their comfort and sacrifice what they have in order to be able to bring change into a situation i pray that god baptize us with a burden for the cities all across north america we need people that will rise up with a burden to see these cities that have been torn down into ruins and they'll rise up and say i've got to go i've got to plant a church in that city i know it's going to cost and it's going to be sacrifice but I'm going to do it I'm calling out to the young people I'm calling out to the youth of our organization it's time for you to rise up it's time for you to respond to the need of the cities and go to the seat of Satan and be able to plant a church for the glory of God I feel the glory of the Lord moving in this place. I feel him moving in my soul. Feel him moving in my soul. Nehemiah the comforter comes with a message of revival and hope. Comes with a message of revival and hope. If there's anything that changes a situation is when the word is preached. Is when the word is preached. It changes a situation. Revival. He comes with a message of revival and hope. And this was his message. It's not over. Ooh, it's not over. Hallelujah. It can be restored. It can be rebuilt. Hallelujah. I feel that there's a word right now for a pastor that's watching, for some leader that's watching, 
that maybe you gave up, maybe you threw in the towel, maybe you said I've sacrificed and I haven't seen any results from, from what I've done. I speak to you in the name of Jesus. It's not over yet. It's not done with. It will be restored. It will come to life. But you got to keep holding on. Don't throw in the towel. My God, I don't know who you're speaking to right now, God. But I pray that a spirit of encouragement will come into somebody's house. That will come in and minister to a pastor, to an evangelist, God. To a Sunday school teacher. In the name of Jesus. My God, I feel the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. The devil would have us to believe that it's impossible. That uh, we're not going to see change. That we're not going to see the, heal be, the, the sick be healed. The broken marriages put back together again. The devil would have us believe that this nation is doomed. And that it is uh, being destroyed and it's helpless by the different spirits that are governing this nation. Trying to tell us that perversion is going to reign over the grace and the mercy of God. The devil would have us believe that sickness and pandemic is more powerful than God. The devil would have us believe uh, uh, that it's useless. It's hopeless. In fact, uh, don't even preach the cross and the blood of Jesus anymore. Don't even preach that there is remission of sins. Don't preach about purity and sanctification because that's an outdated, uh, an outdated message. That's what the devil would like for us to believe. But I come to tell you the devil is a liar. And he is the father of lies. Oh, I feel the glory of God right there. In the name of Jesus, it's not hopeless. It's not useless. And there is no expiration date on the blood of Jesus Christ and the message of the cross. The gospel is still powerful. And God saves those that believe and act on the gospel. It still works. It's still powerful and it still works. It still sets the captives free. By the power of the name of Jesus, I feel right now in my spirit that there is somebody that is watching that you've been bound by sin. You've been bound by addictions in your life. And you're wondering if there's any hope. I come to tell you in the name of Jesus, right there where you are watching, if you'll just open up your mouth and begin to ask God to forgive you, those chains will be broken out of your life in the name of Jesus. I feel freedom in the atmosphere. Ah, amen. The second message that he ends up saying is uh, it's going to take work. 
It's not going to be easy, but it's going to take work. It's going to take sacrifice. We're going to have to sacrifice. And some folks might be able to go, physically go and, and start a church or be a support of, of a church that's in a city, that is starting in a city. But there are some of you that you have burdens for cities, but you might not have the capability to be able to go to that city. I want to encourage you. Would you be willing to support somebody to go to a city and be able to plant the gospel of Jesus Christ and plant a new church in that city? Would you be willing to go? Would you be willing to go? Hallelujah. It takes work. One of the things that I've learned from my dad over the years is he would always say like this. He said, he'd say the way you spell revival, hallelujah, the way you spell revival is W-O-R-K, W-O-R-K, work. That's the way you spell revival. I remember years ago. When we were living in the country of Guatemala, we were there and, and I had already started in my ministry and my brothers did too. I, I started when I was, uh, I started preaching at age 14, at age 15, I, I was already starting a church and everything. I remember my dad, he called us in to his room there in Guatemala City and he said, boys, we got two options. He said, one, we've been offered to be the regional directors to South America. He said, that's a great opportunity, boys. He said, we could go and live in Colombia, where your grandfather, Bill Dross, was one of the pioneers of that, the work in that country. He said, we could go there, live there, and then you, you boys would be able to preach all over South America. Being a young preacher, man, that sounded good. Be able to go to large churches in South America, fly all over the place. Be able to preach all over the place. But then my dad said, but there's also Mexico City. He said Mexico City is a, a city of 27 million people. He said it, it has not been evangelized. This was in 1991 said it has not been evangelized. 27 million people. He said there's a little group of people, about 15 people, on the outskirts of that city. He said we could go to South America or we could go to Mexico City. He said, but it's going to take work. It's going to take sacrifice. My brothers and I, without even thinking about it, without even thinking twice, we said, let's go to the city. Let's go to the city. Whew. My dad said, come on, boys. You, you know, we could go to South America. He said, no. Let's go to the city. And I know my dad had already decided that we were going to go to the city. And I remember when we drove into that city, it was so vast and so big. And you just drive and drive and drive and drive and it doesn't end. And many times I'd grab the map of the city and I'd literally go and just lose myself in the city just to be able to find out how the city was. But before long, 
we began to see revival. Before I even went to Bible college, I was already pastoring two churches in that city that we had gotten started. And now under the leadership of my dad, after all these years, God has blessed the work in Mexico City. We have over 154 churches and preaching points. Over 550 cell groups in that city. And over 11,200 baptized believers. That not, that's not congregates. That's baptized believers in that city. Let me tell you something. The Lord looked at that city. And he sent the right man. And there's a man, there's a woman that's watching me right now. There's a young man, a young lady that's watching me right now. That God is speaking to your life right now. There's a city that God is depositing in your life. In the name of Jesus. There's somebody that you're wanting to give. God wants to, God wants to bless you to do that. And on the screen, you'll be able to see where you can give. But I want to pray for you right now. If you'll start singing in the background a little bit or whatever. I want to pray for you right now, Father. In your wonderful name, your word has been preached. A burden has been, has been put out there, God. Now, Lord, I pray that there will be men and women that will respond to the calling of God and respond to the burden and answer God and go to cities. Let's go to the city. Let's go to the city. Let's go to the cities. Let's go.
You are my mouthpiece, saith the Lord. I have used animals. I have used imperfect human beings. I use the sun, the moon, the stars. I use the change of the seasons to communicate my word. And today I am using you. And you are communicating my truth. I am operating through earthen vessels. You carry this treasure and you are spreading my treasure over the earth through your human vessel. Do not despise these things. Do not overlook the significance of the seemingly insignificant. But I am doing a great work here on this location in this day through you, saith the Lord. Yield to me. Let my spirit flow through you and let me anoint you. For we are reaching the world today, says the Lord.